Yes, you are listening to Co-op Radio, 102.7 FM in Vancouver. Uh, And this is the Monday Brown Bagger, and today we're running a special on the global economic crisis, which we'll go through until 2.30. We have four segments of our program today. I'm doing the first one quarter, and then Reg Argy will be on. And then uh, I believe um, Alfred Weber uh, has a CD, CD to run. And then um, Diane and Jeff, I think, will be uh, doing the last segment. So they'll be in later. Uh, and I, I believe their segment is also recorded, but they'll be in to take phone calls for memberships. And again, my name is uh, Don Norden. Um, I've been out of the Monday Brown Beggar for a while, uh, recuperating from uh, health issues. And... Uh, at some point, I may come back in on a regular basis, but for now, you will only hear me once every six months. So uh, I, I am the founder of the Monday Brown Beggar, by the way, founded about 18 years ago. And right now, we have a number of people doing an excellent job on the Monday Brown Beggar, which is great. So, uh, okay, um, our, our first guest will be Ellen Watt, who is a Canadian. And uh, I believe I mentioned our topic is the global economic crisis, and uh, we'll be talking with Alan uh, until, I believe, 1221 for the first segment. So are you there, Alan? Yes, I'm here. Well, welcome to, welcome again to the, to the Monday Brown Baker. I We had you on last fall, and uh, I uh, inadvertently cut you short about five minutes, so uh, we're going to try and... Uh, keep to our schedule today and uh, discuss these issues of importance. So uh, we are uh, in sort of a a real crisis now, um, politically, economically, and so forth, and it seems to be going global. It, It is global. So maybe we could start off with you giving your, uh, your take on how we got into this crisis and uh, what we might, uh, um, who is responsible for the crisis, how we got into it. We can start off with that, I believe, Alan. Most crises that happen are planned to happen because it's like war. War itself has many different aspects to it. And major professors still teach that um, one of the main functions of war is to change societies. All, com- all conflicting societies uh, which are taken over by massive bureaucracies that flourish in wartime. What's happening now uh, has, been, has been written about for a long, long time by big foundations, big think tanks uh, that advise governments worldwide, they advise um, the blocks, the trading blocks of countries, the, the European bloc, uh, the North American Union, uh, we're, we're actually there, you know. And uh, the idea a long time ago was to set up a world system, uh, and it is internationalist in scope. In other words, there will be no favoritism in the system. But yeah, but you have to go back to the big uh, foundations that have been helping to plan and uh, advise governments for the last hundred years. And people don't realize that the Council on Foreign Relations, which is just uh, that they are the foreign office, you might say, or foreign branches of the Royal Institute for International Affairs, which is a private organization which runs under the crown, independently of governments, 
and yet has many members within all governments across the world, have been working steadily towards uh, this global government for, let's just say, for an awful long time. It's no coincidence that um, one of the main thinkers and founders of the International Monetary Fund uh, at the Bretton Woods Agreement, um, John Maynard Keynes, said that this is only the first part of a new economic system that will go global. He said, we won't, won't see the next part in, in our lifetime, when he was writing this back in the, in, in the late 40s. He said, but the, the next generation will see part two come in. Well, this is what part two is about. You need a crisis, or at least the appearance of a crisis, in order to restructure the monetary supply of the world so that the World Bank, and this is what he said, the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund will take their proper place as issuers of currency for the entire planet. Well, lo and behold, after this crunch that came, that had to come, because all restrictions on trading were basically taken off in America in the 1990s, which allowed the bubbles to happen, they knew where it would go to, and at the right time they simply pulled the plug and said, my God, we're going into depression. There's nothing to back all these commodities and these, these, these uh, shares and so on. So it happened right on cue, like John Maynard Keynes said, and out of it comes exactly again what he wanted was an international monetary fund put to the top where it's supposed to be. It was founded to do this. It's never had the, the full power to do it with the World Bank, and uh, basically we're seeing the globalization, as they're calling it, into global governance. That's the term they use, governance. We, we, we see it all over the newspapers, governance, uh, and we see from all the think tanks that are involved um, across the world, governance, but they never explain what governance means. It's a new type of governing, the pe a new type, a new way of governing the people. In the past, we, we always had the middlemen that were politicians who were heavily financed into office by uh, the dominant minority, as Carl Quigley, Professor Carl Quigley calls him and Huxley also called them the dominant minority. And those politicians had to always at least give some appearance of, of a truth to the public, plausible or fairly plausible for whatever they were doing, often with jokes and smiles, and we laughed back at them as they laughed at us. It, things have changed now. You're going into a system where really we're run by administrators, and that's really what governance means. Governments by specialists, um, people from uh, academia, and they'll bypass completely uh, governments. They don't have to go to governments for permission to introduce things. They will basically give the governments the laws to sign. That's what's been happening recently, for, actually for quite some time now. It's the planned society, uh, the tidied up society, where everything, all trades, everything, uh, social planning, family planning on a national, international scale will be managed from a world's body. And that really is what it's all about. It's no coincidence that, um, that Gordon Brown, the Prime Minister of Britain, at the G20 meeting opened up uh, stating, and he's a member of the Fabian Society that's a member of the Royal for International Affairs, he said, uh, this is a new world order in his opening speech, and he said, we are bringing order out of chaos. And that's the standard technique. You create the chaos, and then you bring in the planned order. It's a new type of order. It's called governance, where we simply obey. And if you notice, really, 
the same boys and groups and associations and foundations that promoted democracy to get laws on the books throughout all countries um, are now gradually letting the word democracy fade away and they're using governance instead that's not a coincidence that's either psychologically prepared over a few years that were being ruled by experts and again it goes back to people like Lord Bertrand Russell who said that the world society that we are bringing in uh, will be a, a world ruled by experts uh, the natural aristocracy uh, those with the high intellect and the knowledge that's what it is so the idea of serving the people is out the window as far as governments go we are there now to serve the world state and that's part in the, of what they see in the charter of the Royal Institute for International Affairs everyone will be born with a duty to serve the world state it's no coincidence when Brown in Britain brings out the, this mandatory volunteerism for children the same thing happens in the US with Obama and we've just got the same a bill put in here by Trudeau's son to Canada for the same thing once they're on the books it will expand into two or three years and then I'll keep going on as they expand it over many years that you will have to serve the world state that is a planned society um, in international socialism the Fabians uh, ran and talked about and designed uh, that is to be a planned society where they will govern with uh, like um, benevolent dictators you might say and that's the system that's been brought in I read on the air not so long ago from a top economist who teaches economics at one of the top universities in the states he said that it is sacrilege for an economist to ever tell the public the bad news because the whole idea of stock market is based on hope and and, um, and uh, happiness joy etc it's a big gambling casino therefore it's, it's literally sacrilege for, for any of them to tell you uh, that there's going to be a crash it's taboo and yet in the US they get the president the guy at the top to come out and tell the public there's going to be a crash and it could be worse than the last Great Depression. This was a planned crisis because it was at the right time it happened. And immediately they, they, they came out with the answers. The IMF gets built up with the International, with the World Bank to take their proper position under the United Nations to be the world distributor of all currency and trade laws and negotiations. This world, this uh, ruling elite that you speak of, um how many of these elites are there that are involved in uh, keeping this uh, agenda together? And um, is there any sort of a central uh, brain to all this, or is it sort of um, basically a, um, a, 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 a agenda of a, a, a mass of uh, a mi mi elites of a minority? How, how do they? retain their cohesiveness it's built just like the pyramid where you have a capstone and the capstone remember um, was founded a long time ago in Britain with Cecil Rhodes that at least was a front man along with Lord Rothschild to set up the Rhodes Foundation Rhodes Scholarships um, Rhodes Scholarships train the scholars to be internationalists for a global system <coughs> when they leave they, they go into high positions right away, all doors open for them across the world. Every country now has road scholars in their bureaucracies, in their federal governments. Uh, some of them are politicians, 
most of them are in, in the high bureaucratic positions or they're technocrats they, they're appointed to government but they're not elected um, that Cecil Rhodes group transformed into the Lord Milner it, it amalgamated with Lord Alfred, Lord Alfred Milner Society the Round Table Society and the two together became the Royal Institute for International Affairs and it's better known in the US and Canada as the Council on Foreign Relations uh, all our top members in government in Canada have been uh, Council on Foreign Rem uh, Relations members uh, for years for many, many, many changes in houses in Parliament uh, so it's no coincidence too that uh, when we saw the article a, few, a couple of years ago about Fortress America and the amalgamation of Canada, the States and Mexico and how they would use the terrorism in mainstream news, they'd use terrorism to further intensify the amalgamation of, uh, of the, the American continent that you saw Axworthy and different ones, people who'd been vice uh, prime ministers um, suddenly come out on television as the head of the Canadian Council on Foreign Relations Department well, is there a conflict of interest here or not? Because these characters have already sworn allegiance to a global society and here they are at times being um, assistant uh, prime ministers or vice presidents uh, to, to nations uh, we are run by these societies and we have been for at least 50-60 years when you go back to Britain as I say Aldo Huxley talked about the dominant minority at his Berkeley uh, speech I have that on my site he said they've always been here and I presume they always will be here well they never give up power willingly they use democracy to, get to further their own aims because you'll find with democracy as they've been pushing it um, you'll find more and more government services now have become authorities over the public which was the original intention in the first place every citizen now under freedom and safety etc is, is watched as minutely as a bug inside a, a cage in a laboratory we have no rights nor freedoms under this term the new democracy uh, President Bush when he was in defined it the new freedom the term the new freedom is only known to the insiders even though it was on mainstream newspapers and it comes from Isaiah Berlin who was a philosopher at Oxford University and he came up with the concept of negative freedom and positive freedom negative freedom where the people are kept dumb and happy and fairly content with less governmental intrusion into their lives but they're managed well and positive freedom is when you get them all on board towards a particular agenda as you do in wartime they know that in wartime uh, everyone will pull together they'll put up with restrictions, rations whatever comes along, government intrusion, ID cards because they're all working towards the survival therefore we now have a pretense under the guise of international terrorism to bring in a world society that's the new freedom we're all on board an agenda now a planned agenda that's what the new freedom means but in, in reality we have less and less freedom and we have less and less say in the direction that the world is going in fact we have none at all so they need, <clears throat> they need a crisis to keep this thing going uh, do you think the uh, well <coughs> There was evidence just came out recently that uh, in the rubble of uh, the collapse of the Twin Towers was found uh, in two, two cases tra uh, traces uh, of uh, thermite 
which indicates that the towers were brought down by a controlled demolition. So that that um, <coughs> crisis that was supposedly blamed on external uh, elements is now uh, shown to be a, a falsity. So do they need uh, some sort of other crisis now? And what would that crisis be? Well, well, we've got them. You see, what you do is when you look at warfare, we've, we tend, to, and again, we're conditioned to think of warfare as people in uniforms battling with each other. Warfare starts at a very basic level. You look at humanity or your enemy, and you say, what do they need? They need food, good food, healthy food. They need water. They need shelter, clothing, heating, etc. If you've noticed, all our rights in all of these areas have been taken away from us. Because under the United Nations, as it was set up to be, eventually they will basically be the owner or at least hold it all for us, of course, as you say, uh, in their safekeeping. Uh, they will be the owner of water. We have five agri-food businesses that are all interconnected, who've altered everything that we eat by genetic manipulation, modification. We have a sick population across the planet, and every day there's articles, people are allergic now to everything, including the food they're eating. Well, I'm not surprised because it's so heavily tampered with, plus they use incredible pesticides with the stuff. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that warfare strategy has been used and is being used on the planet. Now, one of the main things that's been coming out along amongst all these crises, that's why they, they call it chaos, they give you it from so many angles at once. Mainstream newspapers in Britain, there's bills in to mandate the drastic reduction in population growth by any and every means possible. How would you implement that? Would you ask for volunteers, or would you go ahead as a military authority and start bringing the population down? How would you do it? Well, again, what do you need as a human being? They have done it all. Yeah, they're forming these... <clears throat> well, one thing they're doing is forming these groups of uh, brown shirts now in, in under the pretext of... Uh, people, uh, I guess, fighting for environmental issues and so forth. Yes, and every one of these big uh, greeny groups, you know, is funded by the big foundation. The thing is, the parallel government, and this is what Margaret Thatcher called it, a parallel government. Professor Carl Quigley, who was the official authorized historian for the Council on Foreign Relations and the Royal Institute for International Affairs, also called it the parallel government, the real government. He said it's non-elected. He said democracy was considered too cumbersome and too slow, too many conflicting parties to get their agenda forward. Therefore, they simply bypassed it through the creation of popular movements funded by the foundations that are owned by the bankers, the, the big world bankers, like the Rockefellers. It's no coincidence that every university in Canada and the States and many other, country, other countries too it's a substantial grant every year from Rockefeller Foundation, from the Ford, from the Carnegie Foundations, from the various ones the Rothschilds own. So they can actually promote through academia what they want taught. They call them memes. The whole idea of the greening sustainability is like an idea you put out there, reinforce it, and when professors come on board, and they will because of the grants they get, um, you can then teach the students to think you can bring in a religion you can teach anything as a religion with false evidence or false facts, or at least distorted facts. 
and it will be believed as a religion, and you can create fanaticism. These NGO groups that are well-organized, well-funded with their leaders um, on life um, um, salaries and pensions and so on, they're not little grassroots movements, all take their marching orders from the big foundations that, that are the fronts for the dominant minority. And all of these foundations work together. The Rockefeller, in fact, I was going through a, a, um, on a radio show one day, some of the other foundations that it owns, there's hundreds of them, they're all fronts for the Rockefeller Foundation. They funnel money through them all, right down to uh, population reduction across the third world countries, and they call it family planning. But actually what they do is they get mandatory laws put into those countries from the governments in the countries that are corrupt to take the money and so on. So this is a planned society, the way they think it should be run, instead of giving people individual choices. Well, okay, <clears throat> we'll come back and pick up on that in a minute. I'll just take a small break here to uh, announce you're listening to uh, Co-op Radio, uh, CFRO-FM 102.7 in Vancouver. And you're listening to the Monday Brownbagger program. My guest is Alan Watt. I'm Don Norden. And this is a fundraiser program. Uh, we have them er twice a year, in the fall and in the spring. And today we're uh, involved in raising money to keep our station going and to keep uh, interviews like this coming to you to uh, educate you, uh, in case you're not educated. But I think a lot of you are beginning to pick up that uh, there is a crisis and uh, are beginning to understand uh, why we are in this crisis. But uh, in, it doesn't hurt to go over this again and again and perhaps uh, educate people who are coming in out of the fringes who haven't heard about this. So <clears throat> you can phone in to uh, donate uh, money, buy a membership, etc. to our station. We would uh, appreciate that. We need that. So phone in at 604-684-8494 and show your uh, support and appreciation for what we're uh, trying to do here at uh, CFRO. Going back to Alan Watt. So these people uh, are trained in uh, the academia, area of academia, and um, selected from that uh, area by, um, by, by who? How were these people selected from academia to serve uh, the ruling elite? And um, maybe you could go into that, a little bit into that process and how that works. They're picked very early on, even for Rhodes Scholarships for, um, and Rhodes Scholarships are designed and have been from the beginning to bring in a world empire. That's in, that's in their own writings. If you look into Cecil Rhodes and his will, and the foundation's will, and then you look into the Royal Institute for International Affairs, which is, say, eventually it transformed into, it is a power government. And uh, how, how they do it is they pick up um, trainable people in universities, um, often too they'll withdraw, they'll withdraw those children from the same families who've already proven uh, their value to this agenda uh, devout globalists and really uh, elitists and uh, they, they train them they must have certain abilities uh, such as at least participating in social actions at university to qualify for these particular scholarships and if, if they have the right stuff again they'll go on up through academia 
and perhaps eventually be given professors' chairs themselves where they will teach this global agenda. And it's surprising to realize it's been taught actually for years in universities that this whole uh, internationalism and global governance, this courses on global governance been taught for about eight or nine years now already in some universities. And we didn't know, the public didn't know. We're the last to be told anything that's really happening by the regular media. And um, so you prove your worth to it, and if, it's not, if that's not your inclination, they'll, they'll send you into politics. If you notice, most politicians now um, are generally uh, in and out as CEOs of corporations, and then back into politics. They just go back and forth, forth like ping-pong balls. The musical chairs. And what we find is that... Um, Professor Carl Quigley, again, the historian for the CFR, said that. He said, this new system we're bringing in is a new type of feudal system. Uh, now, remember, a feudal system, you have the, the bulk of the populace are basically serfs that do what they're told. They have a planned life uh, with a, one function or generally to do, and uh, that's it. Uh, technically, you own nothing. He says, this new feudal system will have the overlords will be the CEOs of international corporations. And that's basically what we have. Look at the lobbying groups that are in and out of parliament and government buildings across the world every day. They have their own fixed bases in, in every capital of every nation. And uh, these are the guys who go back, back and forth to their friends who, who they've generally worked with before and tell them the agenda. So we're, we're run privately in, in reality. There's no real public say in anything anymore, and there hasn't been for quite some time. Therefore, we've watched since 2001. The year, by the way, that was picked to kick off this new world order was 2001. Uh, and we were told immediately that nothing would ever be the same again after the towers went down. That was quite a statement to make. Not, nothing will ever be the same again. And since then, across the world, every country at the same time signed the same omnibus anti-terrorism bills into law meaning it was all pre-planned because bureaucracies take years to draft up anything. Mm -hmm. We all drafted up the same th implementations at the same time uh -huh. with the international agreements already having been made between them. And then they all go on the same course of, uh, of um, snooping in all the citizenry. Right away, it's all the citizenry. It's not incomers, it's not the Muslim groups that could be radicalists who say, it's everyone suddenly has to take their belt off at airports and hold their pants up and all this nonsense. These are techniques of what Carl Quigley said and, uh, and uh, Lord Bertrand Russell. He said, we must teach the people apathy. This is the sort of technique you use in, in, when you're torturing people. You make them feel dejected, stupid, vulnerable. And when you are walking across uh, in your stocking feet across uh, these scanners, holding up your pants, you see, that's a technique of, making, of giving you a feeling of helplessness and apathy. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing this across the board now with everything, permission to do almost anything, and it's going to get much, much, much worse as time goes on. Because the planned society that they've given out, and you can find all of this in the United Nations Agenda 21, is a world they want to bring in this century. This century, the 21st century, was marked off long before you heard Obama say it. And he knows because he's a member of the CFR too. Mm -hmm. A century of change. They don't tell you what change they're talking about. It's planned change. 
and this century is to go into a century of global governments, governance where they'll gradually eliminate any idea or even memory eventually of democracy and this is a planned society the way they think it should be, be ruled so we're, we're well on the, the way now to this planned society Agenda 21 wants everyone crammed in for one generation into the already overcrowded cities they want to clear off all the rural people and they say that the population will gradually decline and then drastically decline by the year 2050 during that period there will be no private transportation they will gradually phase off transportation off the roads under many guises including pollution and um, the Club of Rome one of the premier think tanks that works with the Institute for Inter International Affairs in their own book called The First Global Revolution said that back in the 1970s, 72 they were given the task on behalf of this world society on how to unite the world in a common cause, a common purpose they said it would have to be under a warfare type scenario and they said uh, that um, only then would the public give up all their rights and work to, and allow themselves to be led into a globalized global governance agenda situation but they also said what could we use as an enemy in a global system when we run out of enemies in countries they said we hit on, we hit on the idea of saying that man was, was altering the, the weather on the planet they said global warming that would fit the bill that's in their own book that was passed on then from this think tank into the roundtable societies who then figure out how to implement it and get it out as propaganda amongst the populace and through education that's how it works mm -hmm. and that's what we're living through today we've been having the skies sprayed across Canada the US and most of Europe all of Europe actually even parts of India now yeah. for 10 years now 10 years yeah as they manipulate, alter the weather and do God knows what else to us we know that people are getting awfully sick with it mm -hmm. so we're kept in a world of Disneyland Disney, utter mm -hmm. Disneyland with regular media yeah. and, they won't, and no one will mention what you can see every morning when you get up and watch them do this stuff mm -hmm. no one will mention the obvious facts yeah. Yeah. well that's global governance because in global governance there's no input from the public if the public object or complain or riot they would be severely dealt with and we're taught basically now we're being treated like the profane children those in the darkness we're just too stupid to understand so experts will rule our lives for us in the way that they see fit it's as simple as that complete authoritarianism so <clears throat> moving up to 1239 which is we have to cut off sharply at 1239 uh, it's 12.34 now, so we have another five minutes. Um, right. Uh, uh, in my next with my next question, I'd like you to um, mention your website. And uh, But anyway, we seem to be living, we are living uh, with a pretext that we're living in a, in a democracy, when in fact it isn't uh, a democracy at all. Our whole society is structured as to more or less... Uh, prevent uh, democracy or it's uh, the antithesis of democracy um, so given that how do people and this is a, the impossible question what would people do to uh, try and swing things around as to where 
we might have more democracy and, and uh, empowerment. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, after reading uh, the, the think tanks and the foundations and the think tanks that advise the Canadian, U.S. and British military, and I've, I've got those on my website, when they, they forecast their 30 odd years of rioting, um, they've said it all for us that the public eventually, in confusion, never understanding what's really happening to them, will start rioting as food shortages happen because they're planned to happen, you see. As we're trained, there's not enough food in the world to make us believe that there's just too many people. It's all part of this propaganda. And uh, they're probably right. Uh, that's how it will end up as riots and ongoing riots. We've watched them build up for 20 years for the coming riots under the guise of war on drugs and war on various things. They've been building up special forces within police units. We've had Canadian tr- uh, policemen for years now, since the 90s, working uh, with regular troops and special ops. It was even on regular television here, multi-jurisdictional task force. They go over to Iraq, smash doors, and learn how to drag the people out and shoot them and all the rest of it. Then they were brought back to Canada and put in a regular uniform, all waiting for the time when the big riots come in Canada. They've been doing this for, for years, and the public haven't a clue. There seems to be no When room. you see it on television, hmm. uh, they, they dismiss it because they're overloaded with real news, little bits of real news, and 99% of trivia. Yeah. yeah. It's psychology. This is how you. This is how everything that's real gets blurred, and with the advertising, the bazaar, the trivia, and so they can show you little real parts once in a while, but you don't retain it. It all goes into this strange uh, Disneyland, and this is psychological warfare. So there's very little, if no, opportunity for movement ahead toward a democratic system. There's none. The only authorized groups who can demand things from government and get what they want are the authorized, foundation-backed, big movements like the Green uh, movements and so on, because that's, that is part of the agenda for sustainable development under the United Nations Agenda 21. So the Green movements are part of the uh, New World Order agenda? Absolutely. And we have a ludicrous situation here in British Columbia now where the NDP and the Liberals are split among uh, the carbon tax. The, uh, <coughs> the uh, uh, NDP didn't want to support the carbon tax. Now they got all the Greens uh, down their throat uh, because they won't support a carbon tax. That's right. The Greenies were all founded. If you go back into the, to the Green Party, for instance, Madeleine Albright's uh, grandfather started that up. He was a hardline communist friend of uh, Powell's, of Lenin, uh, Stalin. And they came up with the post-Soviet era where they create this Green Party that would eventually merge with environmentalism and so on. But again, it's not run from the Soviet Union, believe it or not, it's run from London. And uh, the foundations in America are the ones who finance and give them the ones at the top full-time salaries, all these top leaders of the NGOs. These are the authorized NGO leaders. You notice, too, at the G20 meeting, the day before the main um, protest started, yet all the official green NGO uh, groups there, no violence, uh, the politicians listened to them because they were authorized to demand what exactly the politicians had been told to accept. Well, uh, with that, uh, and it's always not enough time to discuss issues, which I sorely like to discuss, and I I think I'm going to have to come on here as a regular programmer again, um, and we'll have you on again to to spend more time discussing these issues. Thanks very much, Alan, and can you give your website out before we leave? Yes, it's cuttingthroughthematrix.com. 
or alanwattsentinel.eu. That's the two sides. Thank you very much, Alan. Hope to speak to you again. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.